it was hard because I was wanted to date girls and I wanted to be like all the other guys in my class and I wanted it to be real, but it was hard because basically I was living a lie. On the inside, I knew I was attracted to the same sex. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about same-sex attraction and what to do with it. There are certain individuals who, from a young age, have same-sex attraction, and they try to hide it. But later on in life, they can express that attraction in their adult relationships. We'll be interviewing Beckett Cook, who was heavily involved in the LGBTQ community in California, in Hollywood, and reveals the truth about his experience as a former homosexual. Beckett, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course, Beckett. It is awesome having you with us. Let me ask, when you were younger, I understand you grew up in a religious home. When did the same-sex attraction start? Yeah, I was raised in a Catholic home and I went to Catholic schools, you know, K through 12. And I knew about God. I knew about the Trinity. I knew all these things, but I didn't know God. But at a very early age, I guess I was, you know, about nine years old, I started to sense same-sex attraction. And I didn't know what to do with it because according to, you know, the Catholic Church, according to the culture in Dallas and my family, it was totally frowned upon, to say the least, to be gay. And so, you know, I had to hide this kind of inner feeling I had. And it was weird because I had to live this sort of double life. On the outside, I was like a popular kid in school. And, you know, I went steady with girls. But on the inside, I knew I was attracted to the same sex. Mm, Wow. That is pretty difficult. I mean, it was like you had to keep this deep secret. I understand that you felt uncomfortable and different, but you didn't want anyone to know. Well, it was hard because I was wanted to date girls and I wanted to be like all the other kids, all the other guys in my class. And I wanted it to be real, but it was hard because even in high school, I actually, you know, dated three different girls and it was pretty serious dating. Basically, I was living a lie and they always didn't really get why I wasn't being more aggressive or why I didn't want to really kiss them. So it was the strange thing to go through because I just wanted to be normal. But I knew that, you know, I wasn't. I knew that I was kind of a misfit. Mm, So you were pretending and you just wanted it to go away. But I understand there was a time that you couldn't keep it secret anymore. When was that? Well, it started in high school. My junior year of high school, I met a guy in my school. I went to an all-boys high school, and I met a friend. We became best friends, and we ended up coming out to each other. And once that door opened, I mean, that really opened the floodgates because we were very young. I was like, I don't know, 16, and he was 15. And we were going out to gay bars in Dallas, where I grew up. We're going to gay bars and to nightclubs. And it was this amazing kind of feeling when I walked into these nightclubs or gay bars I just was like, wow, like these are my people. I'm finally home. Like all these people are feeling the same way I'm feeling. And now I can finally, quote unquote, find my people. 
And it was funny because I was still going to all these, you know, debutante balls and dances with girls in high school. But, you know, after the debutante ball, my best friend and I would sneak off and like go, <laughs> go to the gay bars at like midnight in Dallas. And so, again, I had this double life. Mm. And then again, in college, the same thing happened. I ended up becoming best friends with a gay guy. We came out to each other. We explored gay life together. And then what really was the final thing that made homosexuality my identity was after college, I met a guy and we fell in love. And that was my first boyfriend. Then I was like, okay, I'm gay. And I came out to my family. I came out to my friends. Like, that's when I knew for sure that this is who I am and nothing's going to change. Wow. So I see that was the moment you decided that this is who you are. It's public. You were like, hey, I'm homosexual. That is who I am. What did you believe about God at this point since you came from a religious background? At that point, God was not even on my radar. And I was happy not to even think about God because I knew that I was gay and I knew that Christianity, according to the Bible and according to Christianity, I knew that it was a sin. I believed that, you know, I mean, I believed that if that were true, it would be a sin. Mm. And so God, I just completely put him out of my mind altogether. And I knew that I was gay and I could never be a part of the club of being a Christian because I knew that, you know, according to Christians, who I was, quote unquote, was a sin. So it was just off the table. Like I became a practical atheist as I got older because God was just never a part of my life or discussed when I was an adult. So Mm, yeah, that makes sense. You didn't have a desire for God because you thought that God didn't accept you. And at the same time, I understand you started getting in with a famous crowd in Hollywood. And I mean, at this time, you're openly gay. You understand that you were at the top of your life, everything you wanted. Did you feel happy at this time? Yeah, I felt, I don't know if the word is happy, but I definitely was having a really good time in my life. You know, because life is difficult in Hollywood, whether you're (laughs) struggling with homosexuality or not. But yeah, after college, I moved to L.A. I got in this really fun, smart group of friends, and they were all from the East Coast, from Ivy League schools. And they all run Hollywood now. They're all just like amazing, like smart, funny, funny people. And we all became this group of best friends. And some in the group were, you know, heterosexual, some were gay. There were some movie stars in our group. Literally, we watched our friends become movie stars. Minnie Driver was in our group and she became a movie star. We watched that happen with Good Will Hunting and other things. And so Mm. during that time, I was having the time of my life. I was dating guys. I went through five different serious relationships with guys. I was going to, you know, the Oscars, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, all the award shows and all the, you know, premieres of movies. Several nights a week, I would go to premieres of movies and I would go to Paris Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week. And so, yeah, for a long time, I thought, okay, this is the purpose of life is to make a mark on this world by doing something, you know, creative and fun and cool and to meet the love of my life. And the third thing was to have as many great, extraordinary experiences as I could. And so that was all happening. And so I felt fulfilled for a long time. And I felt like I'm in the crowd. I'm in the scene and this is fun and I'm loving my life. So that went on for a long time. That went on for 10, 15 years. As you said, I was a set designer for many years, you know, and I would do the cover of Vogue, the cover of Harper's Bazaar. I worked with every actress, every movie star, everyone. 
I mean, Paris Hilton, I did like several shoots at her house, like everyone. I mean, I just worked with everyone and met everyone. So yeah, for a while, that life really was kind of fulfilling to me. Beckett, let's stop there. I want to have you on our next show because I understand that you had an encounter with God that changed all of your thoughts and feelings on same-sex attraction. Beckett, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Hold on. I have more to say about this right after the break. Real Life is made possible this week with the help of On Fire Merchant Services and our Awakening the Nation's monthly giving partners. If you own your own business taking Visa and MasterCard, call and get a quote from On Fire Merchant Services. On Fire Merchant Services is on fire to serve you. Look them up at onfiremerchantservices.com or call them at 877-333-6682. That's onfiremerchantservices.com or 877-333-6682. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? As I was listening, I really understood more about how Beckett wanted to have heterosexual attraction, but in truth, he had same-sex attraction. And then later on, he walked down that path openly and fully. Now, this is the main storyline of many people in the LGBTQ community. Some would say that this story is more evidence that people are born with same-sex attraction and that they can't help it. Kind of like if it was like a gene or like a separate people group, like a minority group. However, as you will find out on our later shows, Beckett is no longer believing that same-sex attraction is genetic and neither is he living that lifestyle anymore. So how did this happen? Ancient writings point to the truth that same-sex attraction is not what someone is born with, but it is a behavior that we are told to abstain from and seek God for deliverance if we struggle with those desires. Now, before you tune out, take a look at this. It is written in Leviticus 20.13, If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Now, why would ancient writings describe same-sex attraction and the act of it as an abomination? What does that mean anyway? Well, the Oxford Dictionary defines the word abomination as a thing that causes disgust or hatred. So, Why is this behavior, not the people group who struggle with it, but why is the behavior something to be hated? Maybe to God, it isn't good for anyone. Maybe he knows something. I was thinking about this and I'm just going to put a story like a hypothetical situation. Like what if my five-year-old son, when, you know, when he was younger, when he was five, what if he was playing around in the laundry room and he found an open bottle of bleach and he started drinking it? I'll tell you what, I would hate that. That to me, that behavior would be an abomination to me. Why? Because I love my son. I don't want harm to come to him. So I would hate that behavior that he was doing. I wouldn't hate him. He's not the abomination, but I wouldn't like him doing that. I think same thing with this. See, God had a specific design when he had made males and females. He made them for each other. It's written in Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, God made us to have heterosexual attraction. But yes, that can be thwarted and changed into different desires like same-sex attraction. Just like my behavior can gravitate towards anything like alcoholism or getting drunk all the time, though I might really want to do that or have a desire for that, that doesn't necessarily mean I should do it. And to those who think that same-sex attraction is genetic and that people just can't help themselves, I would say that is not a factual belief. Now, with my education in molecular cellular developmental biology, I can confidently tell you that there is no gene that has yet been found that is linked to homosexual behaviors. Behavior is a choice, and it's not genetic. And I'm going to pray that the Lord reveals that to you. Father God, I'm praying right now in Jesus' mighty name for the person who might feel like it is genetic. I pray, Lord God, that you'd bring revelation that these behaviors are not genetic, but are choice. And Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you'd give us an understanding to know you and to know the truth about this subject. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time.